talked about it just before uh, going on air here. Um, and this was this thing about indiscriminate, you know, selling. And I think that's the other theme that I picked up this week. And that is that our industry, uh, we're often blamed for, you know, forcing these corrections. And uh, I have my own opinion about that. Um, but was there a, someone from JP Morgan suggesting that as well? Uh, was that correctly understood? Yeah, there were multiple sources sort of uh, <laughs> blaming um, <clears throat> some of the sell-off on vo volatility targeting CTAs. There are CTAs out there who have promised uh, to reduce positions, uh, keep the volatility in a certain target, I suppose. We don't really know for sure. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's hard to say uh, who's responsible or if we should even be upset that someone is responsible. We're right, sure. living in free countries with... I guess we can uh, do smart trades and dumb trades, at, and it's um, and I'm sure it didn't help their performance to try to liquidate uh, <clears throat> stock exposure in such an illiquid time. Uh, I do think that uh, that is really the bottom line: is what do you do when you have a thousand S and P's to sell, and the bid is fifty or yeah. ten? And this is what happens when the craziness is it uh, the market makers, the short term people who provide liquidity, they step away. And if you still try to sell those 1,500 S&Ps, there's nothing there. It doesn't matter how much AUM you have. It doesn't matter what percentage of the market you are. <clears throat> These are all red herrings <clears throat> used to confuse people. I have 500 S&Ps to sell in order to get my uh, fall down where I need to be. And there's really little to nothing on the bid. What do I do? And so that's the question. What did you do? And uh, But... Uh, this is uh, probably uh, mostly done, according to this same person at J.P. Morgan. Maybe we're seventy percent done uh, with the CTAs. Hard to say. Yeah, I, I think it raises. I think it raises two important points. Um, the first one is, you know, you, we can blame. We can. Well, I don't. We don't really want to blame anyone because you know it's 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 you know you have an approach, and if that approach means that you have to reduce your exposure, that's perfectly fine. Whether it's happening now um, or whether it's happening, you know, much further down after the markets are selling off uh, more, um, you know, that's that's where I think also people, uh, you know, blame trend followers. But but anyway, leave that for a moment. I wanted to ask you a little bit and and may, and hear both of your opinion. Just going back to the fact that there is ten, you know, we talk about there's ten lots on the bid and people want to sell a thousand. Electronic trading. I mean, back in the old days when we were doing this, uh, you know, uh, open outcry. To me, it seems to me that back then in those in these situations there were a bit more liquidity. And and you could sort of sense it more in the market nowadays. Electronically, when you just look at the screen, th there seems to be very little liquidity, meaning it's all hidden or it's it's not showing up on the screen. Well, what do you do? You remember the the difference? Uh, have you noticed any difference? Uh, and 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 is the discussion a much broader discussion, not just about? Some managers, and we talk about managers, but it could be anyone who wanted to reduce some exposure the last couple of days, right? It doesn't have to be anything to do really with the CTAs or systematic traders or whatever. But but just in general, when these things happen, and, and maybe, Jerry, you might, uh, you might want to keep this off from your experience. I mean, do you think there is a difference with liquidity in these situations between the electronic trading we do today and back in the day when it was all 
uh, open outcry? Yes. I, well, first, I want to say to agree, it could be anybody. <clears throat> we don't know. Um, we just know that there are some people who have promised that they will yes. be in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. CTAs okay. will be part of it. I agree. And then, yeah. Yeah. And so um, others might write papers about uh, risk parity and say it wasn't, it couldn't be, it wasn't us. We really haven't heard from large CTAs. But I don't really know that it's, it's much different. I think that obviously today they have more uh, technology to allow them to be right that now is a good time to step aside and go, and we're not in the market for a while, we'll come back, but not right now. I do think that part of AI or machine learning could also be, we know how to set this off. We can start this wildfire and then we'll step away. So I would not discount that as well. These are very smart people. And we have also been on record <clears throat> as this is how we trade. This is where we're going to trade. We're going to not be run out of these positions uh, unless it's a big break. And uh, so we are giving them a lot of intelligence, not that they need it, but maybe that's the <clears throat> problem with or the real benefit of AI is that they're playing us, <clears throat> not uh, big data and lots of markets, lots of data sure. from the markets around the world, but it's we're, we're taking advantage of knowing when these uh, CT, what uh, we can get the CTAs to start <clears throat> doing a lot of trading when there's a l very little liquidity. So. Sure. Not to be a I conspiracy mean, theorist, but, it, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, if you take it to the nth degree, Jerry, CTAs don't start a sell-off. We can agree on that because there's nothing in our systems that would suggest that you're, the trend is going up and suddenly you want to sell a big chunk. You know, that that's very unlikely, right? We react to whatever happens, whether that's increased volatility or a price turn. Sure. So I think you're, you, so, so I think it's an interesting theory about who really starts these things. And, and and but I think maybe we go back to one of your first comments, and that is, does it really matter? I mean, the markets are the markets, and having a two or three percent down day uh, is not unusual. It's just that we haven't had many of them in the last few years. We've forgotten how it really is. But in the old days, two or three percent market moves were normal. So maybe we need to just you know reset our memories a bit and 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 get used to a different environment uh, altogether where this is, you know, a, a normal day in the office. Any views? Normal day in the office. I agree. Um, may it, I'll just add, I mean, I'm pretty sure there are systems out there that, um, that are forced sellers uh, at the settlement, at the close of the market, uh, regardless of how many lots you can find there on the bid. If there's 50 yeah. lots on the bid, they'll hit the bid with 500 because uh, that's what their system is programmed to do, right? There's, that's just, it, it doesn't make a difference. Um, but I'm like, I'm not really following, you know, micro market structure and all those type of things. I've, I've read on Twitter also that I think on Friday or Thursday was one of the most liquid days uh, on the NASDAQ futures, on the NASDAQ e -minis. Um Whereas previously, like pretty much for uh, all of this year from that same source, which by the way is, is Nanax, uh, I think a Chicago-based firm that looks at um, trading volume, among other things. Um, they've reported that, you know, markets have become less and less liquid and that you see... Uh, 
you know, algos, um, you know, working the different levels of the order book, but only in small sizes. And every time the market makes a larger turn, then that size vanishes and is no longer there. Right. And, and that, that may have been true. Um, I'd also like, you know, periodically, uh, review slippage numbers and, um, haven't done that in a while, but, uh, you know, those, those could give hints, um, about, uh, you know, the behavior of the order book and uh, whether you can get the size done that you used to get done um, for a certain amount of slippage and how that slippage has developed uh, over the past couple of months. It's one of the benefits that we had as learning how to trade in 1983 from Richard Dennis is that as good as they were with computers and math and backtesting and Rich came from the floor. And so it was this ability to combine what's possible on the floor with um, <clears throat> the systems in the, the technical system computer approach. And probably that gets lost on men and women who come from uh, PhDs and from um, universities or finance having never dealt with the markets before. They would, yes, say, okay, just the computer's right, uh, sell, because it's always worked in the past. Well, th- what's going on today in market structure is not the past. <clears throat> so I think that's indiscriminate selling. I mean, Moritz defined it right then and there. Um, and that's what I think is unfortunate. When I traded uh, $2 billion, uh, AUM, $2.5 billion, I was still in cocoa and bean oil. I would just tell the broker, uh, you know, just buy five lots every 30 minutes or, you know, and take a week to do the trade, you know, build my position that I wanted in these illiquid markets. I never said, well, I got the signal on Monday. We got to get it done on Monday, regardless of what reality was. And so the, the, the positive about this is this is not helping anyone who has, a, has an idea of slam it. <clears throat> and we have to be a slave to the numbers and what the back test says. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. And actually, I think it's one point that that we tend to, the three of us, at least in our conversation, tend not to talk much about. But of course, the the mutual fund industry with its trillions of dollars, et cetera, et cetera. And they have all these buy programs and sell programs at the end of the day. And I certainly wouldn't uh, be surprised if if they can move the market uh, significantly as well, which has absolutely nothing to do with the alternative industry whatsoever. Um, now, um Jump maybe, in with uh, anything. maybe one thing yeah. I want to add there is, uh, and, and I think Perry, uh, Jerry just uh, mentioned that, like in the old days when you had um, had an order, and maybe that order was worked over a period of time, right? I still think so. In in, in my personal trading, I'm not sending, you know, I'm not, you know, placing orders through a machine automatically. It's still, you know, pretty much done in the old school way of. You know, orders are being produced and uh, they're sent to a broker and um, brokers differ. Like, you know, if you have a good broker um, that understands the way you trade, right, Um, understands what you're looking to do with those orders, um, as far as I'm concerned, that really helps. Yeah. And we have the same opinion on our side. We we don't let the machines go directly to the exchange. There's definitely a human being involved uh, in deciding how that should be executed. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But of course, there are a lot of systems that go straight to the exchange and, and maybe that can add uh, you know, some 
uh, extra volatility here and there. But again, I um, I think sometimes these things are blown up a little bit, um, and especially if people like J.P. Morgan are coming out uh, saying this. I mean, I think they have 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 I think quarterly accounts where they pride themselves of having you know ninety days of the last quarter we didn't lose any money. I'm just thinking, okay, so how does that work uh, if you never lose any money? So they must have some very interesting insights. 